Welcome to LBB's Open House, our podcast on how to build brands better. I'm Suchita. On the Open House podcast, I have candid conversations with founders, CXOs and investors behind India's most compelling enterprises. As the co-founder of LBB, I love deep diving into all things marketing, customer acquisition and distribution across different industries and learning from my guests. I hope you learned something as well from my guest today, who's none other than Nithi Hola. Before I tell you more about Nithi, I want to let you know that if you're listening to this, be sure to check in on LBB to participate in the live webinars where we record these episodes. That way, you can ask my guests questions in real time and of course, say a hello to me as well. Go to the LBB app or to our web at lbb.in and search for Open House. We hope to see you there. So back to my guest. Nithi Hola needs no introduction. Her and I met a while ago at a Twitter get together and immediately hit it off. She has decades of experience working for some of the biggest companies in the world. Currently the director of partner marketing at Microsoft, she is also the force behind making India the largest consumer base outside the US for GoDaddy. What I find most fascinating is her outlook to marketing, which is predominantly from a B2B lens. businesses are customers too keeping that in mind i chat with nithi about her experiences with identifying and implementing the right b2b marketing strategies i really 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 enjoyed learning from her particularly how to think about marketing through first principles thanks to the wealth of knowledge nithi has this episode will help you understand consumer psyche better and also help you think through how to effectively drive consumer engagement hope you enjoy our conversation let's jump right in What I'd also, you know, love to do to sort of, you know, uh, kick things off is maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I know, uh, you know, your most recent experience at Microsoft, uh, which is how we guys started chatting. But if you could maybe tell all of us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So thank you once again for having me, Suchita. A quick summary of my journey. Actually, instead of, uh, I'm sure everybody can go on go on LinkedIn and look at it, but I would actually talk about. What were what were some of the interventions that helped shape my journey, so that you know. it would also help address maybe some of the questions that people have and maybe get some more questions from people so i started my career with an agency started my job in communications and then moved to marketing set up the analyst practice and the marketing practice for the agency and when i started out and this is something i learned in my first job so there were like four things that we used to think about the first one being look forward to coming to work and these these principles have sort of stayed with me and i think it's extremely important that you love what you do and you're passionate about what you do and the people that you work with um mm. you know that's that's what matters at the end of the day you have to look forward to coming to work the second one was um you know how do you think customer first so a lot of times you know when things are not going well for us uh, one tends to kind of blame external factors and you know and sometimes it is external factors but do you really know your customer and understand your customer mm-hmm. i think that is extremely important the third one was that how do you go about you know forming a relationship with the with the client or the customer at the other side of the table so you know mm-hmm. we used to say that india is a relationship driven economy it is people do business with people they like you know you wouldn't mm-hmm. get into business and when you're going out there and selling nobody mm-hmm. is buying the product really people are buying the passion of the person who's sitting across the table the authenticity of that brand or the passion that they bring to the table so i think those mm-hmm. were some of the some of the principles that kind of uh, i have lived by and i learned them in my first job 
And then I got the opportunity to move on the corporate side where I worked with some of the brands. They were MNCs, but we were always catering to the small business, the small guy and startups. Mm -hmm. So that's where, that's what I did for a few years and then got the opportunity to work with GoDaddy. Uh, They were setting up operations in India and having worked with uh, startups in that sense in my previous role at VeriSign, I was really excited to take the GoDaddy opportunity because that was like a startup. They were setting up shop in India, although it was a known brand uh, globally, but known for not the right reasons, perhaps. So we had to build the brand from scratch. <laughs> and then also, of course, we took it to a level where we, uh, where we had 1 million paid SMB customers. So which was like which a big is- achievement. Yeah, that's yeah, That was fantastic. Uh, and we did a lot of stuff. We, we failed a lot. We learned a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was uh, that was a fantastic experience. So yeah, so that's in a nutshell uh, the journey that I've been in. And right now I'm at Microsoft. Really excited to be in in this role as well. We're trying to do a lot of new things. In fact, mm-hmm. there's a Forbes article that has just come out on the COO uh, where we're talking about how Microsoft India is uh, looking at catering to organizations of all size, irrespective. So I'll send that out to you later. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm gonna start with the you know the the point that you brought up, right? Which is thinking of marketing in first principles. I know a lot of the companies that you've worked with, especially of late, you've done a lot of customer acquisition on the business side where your customer Mm -hmm. isn't, you know, a user of a consumer app or whatever, but your customer Mm -hmm. is paying this. So a lot Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, work on merchant acquisition. Correct. But what does customer first really mean? You know, how how I would like to translate that for everyone, Uh, at least that's how, there's no right or wrong, right? You need to understand your customer. So it's it's more about, do you really know who your customer is? Is it Mrs. Khurana sitting in Dehradun? Or mm-hmm. is it Suchita at LBB? Or is it Nidhi at Microsoft? Or it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. Or is it my grandmom, right? So do you really know who your customer is? So segment the customer profile. And a lot of times, you know, smaller organizations tend to lose focus and say that, oh, you know what? I should just go out there and just go for customer acquisition. One needs to be very careful about what is the goal that you're defining for the business. Is it acquisition or retention? One has to come before the other. And then, of course, retention is important, especially like in today's time, retention is more important. So you need to adapt as well. But what is the primary goal that you're going after? So when I say know your customer, it's more about understanding who it is. Then secondly, Mm -hmm. what do they really need? Are you selling something that the customer doesn't really need? What are their aspirations? Where do you as a brand fit in their journey? What is the purpose of your brand and how you can make your make the customer believe in your purpose? Like your example, you talk about shop small, you talk about, you know, we are with you as a small business, right? You have to have a purpose, define mm-hmm. that purpose, make sure that your purpose is resonating with the customer and then you provide proof to your purpose. You don't just say stuff uh, for the sake of saying it, you have to make sure that you stand by it. So understand the customer's journey, you know, where they are in their journey and where all can you be a part of their journey. It's not about you. It's about the customer. So, you know, if we could maybe, uh, because I know a bunch of the folks on the call, uh, you know, are, uh, business owners themselves, right. And they may be running a fashion brand or a lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you do that? You know, say for example, in a category like lifestyle, where mm-hmm. the need, may be a little bit more artificial than say for instance something like a GoDaddy where uh, you know right. the need to have a that uh, is being echo chambered by 
20 other sort of, you know, touch points, whether it's, you know, Google's SEO or how do you advertise or where do you drive traffic to unless you don't have a website. So mm-hmm. how does one, you know, how, how does one answer that question when you're uh, perhaps a lifestyle brand and what you're creating may mm-hmm. not necessarily be a want, uh, sorry, may not necessarily be a need, uh, but actually, uh, mm-hmm. you know, play to the desires of the customer. Right. So uh, how do you create vision around that? You know, first I'll go back to the GoDaddy example. You know, the need has to be created a lot of times. So when we started GoDaddy, uh, we were a very small team. I was the second person after the CEO who was hired. And what we realized was the need for a website did not exist. We were selling a product for 99 rupees, but a small Mm -hmm. business owner would spend 200 rupees on coffee, but they will not buy a name for 99 rupees because they don't see the value in it. So we had Mm -hmm. to create that need. So a lot of time the need has to be created. It could be dormant. You need to just bring it up. Right, make them realize that they need it. In the case of a lifestyle brand, I think there's one brand that I I personally uh, resonates very well with me. I, actually, there are a few. I'll take the global and Indian example. So uh, Dove, there's no. I mean, you know, you could say that the need for a moisturizing soap is not really. It's superficial or or not. It's like a luxury, right? Even the price yeah. is such. But the approach yeah. that Dove takes to mm. talking about inner beauty. Uh, you all must have seen in the time of COVID, Dove came back with the, the, the nurses and the doctors and the masks that they wear and how the lines are left on their faces. So, you know, mm-hmm. that is one example of where you're going after the purpose and not mm-hmm. necessarily creating the need, but you're making the purpose so strong that the, mm-hmm. that the individual will get attracted towards the brand. I remember when uh, you and I had met and I was picking your brain on how to think about LVB sort of sales strategy and sales infrastructure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you had brought mm-hmm. up, uh, you know, this point about how any marketing goal needs to be tied very closely with a business goal. And right. sometimes with marketing, right, it's not, yeah. the ratio isn't all one is to one. How, how would you divide up a marketing strategy in a way where you're ensuring that no matter what you're doing, it ties in with a mm-hmm. business goal? Uh, and also, what are the kind right. of metrics that, you know, a young entrepreneur on this call or even folks like myself should be looking at uh, when thinking through, uh, you know, where they're spending money when it comes to marketing? So, for example, uh, education, mm-hmm. educating your customer may not lead to a sale, right? Of course. But the LTV for education is like phenomenal. And right. one could even make that argument for content marketing. So, could you talk about that? Right. Sure. So from a from a strategy or an approach perspective, this is one of the things I learned actually uh, fairly recently in my career at GoDaddy, uh, which is about six, eight years ago. You know, there has to be a shared mission. You have to be aligned together from stage one itself. So what is the business objective? What is the what is the the, the business that you've set up? What does it exist for? Are you, like I said, customer acquisition and you don't really care about the value and how much you spend deep pockets or customer retention, or it could be something as simple as, hey, X amount of revenue. Each and every business unit, sales is one unit, marketing is another unit. Everyone needs to rally behind that mission and that goal. So the goal has to be shared. Otherwise, people will be working in silos and nobody is accountable for anything. Right. So because sales will always point at marketing and marketing will always point at sales. So you need to make sure Mm -hmm. that you tied at the hip. I can give an example mm-hmm. of how we went about uh, the shared goal and knowing of the customer that you asked me earlier, Sachita. At Godari, what we did when we started out, before doing anything, we actually went door to door in uh, Delhi, Mumbai, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Chennai, in the metros, because we were coming with the assumption that we need to crack the metros first. 
So we said, okay, mm-hmm. that should be easy, right? Not realizing that everybody was on Facebook at that time. So people did not feel the need for a website. So we went door to door, Karol Bagh, Sarojini Nagar, talking to the lower parade, talking to the smallest of shop owners and asking them as to, you know, here is a product for 599 rupees, 600 rupees. Mm-hmm. Would you like to buy it? And all we got was get out of here. No way, right? Mm-hmm. So that also helped me adjust the price. But then we kept going and then it, we realized it's not a price conversation. And then we gave it a spin off. By the time you finish your cup of coffee, we will build a site. So while this campaign and on the spot, we made that site in like 15 minutes while one person engaged in the conversation with the business owner, another guy sat and used one of the automated tools and made a site. So this got a lot of PR and visibility yeah. and all of that. We called it the cup of coffee campaign. But truly speaking, mm-hmm. it was one of the biggest failures because mm-hmm. it was such a, like you said, it was a need creation. So I was not really getting mm-hmm. revenue because the amount of money I spent in people's time in going and sitting yeah. across the table, making a website, knocking on doors, traveling, it just, mm-hmm. it, it was not worth it. But the mm-hmm. insights it gave us held mm-hmm. us true to get to that 1 million mark. We realized that we have to operate at scale. We realized that we cannot do this door to door. But at the same time, it gave me those customer insights I would have never got on the phone or by talking to two people. Uh, that's one great example. Could you maybe give us other examples of your tactile ways? Uh, uh, there's, uh, you know, obviously, GoDaddy is a large company. Microsoft is a large company. You guys have budgets to work with, right? But mm-hmm. uh, if one is a young entrepreneur, if one still hasn't wrapped their head around, you know, what product might fit for them looks like, uh, mm-hmm. what are the more agile tactics that you think, you know, uh, someone can sort of put in place to understand this customer well? Because you're totally right. If, if that isn't sorted out, anything else that you do will come crumbling down. Correct. Like I said, identify who the perps, who the type of profile you want to go after. And to begin with, mm-hmm. just do very focused outreach through the various social platforms. Just try and understand what gets them going. Just try and understand their sweet spots, their pain points. That will help you arrive mm-hmm. at how you approach your marketing. Um, you know, on one hand, uh, talking about don't use plastic, but then um, you know, I saw a brand which is uh, making shoes out of plastic. Mm. I want to go. I want to go ahead and buy those shoes. I'm all about organic and sustainability, so that resonates with me. Uh, whereas maybe on, uh, my friends probably don't relate to it. You know, so it just depends on who you're talking to. You need to understand. Go after in a very focused manner. Don't spend money on it, because, like I said. We could do it in the other organization because like you said, we had the resources, but even then it was a failure. I could not justify the time and amount of money we spent. I mean, I went back and said, hey, see, we did that. That's why we got the 1 million. But truly speaking, those 12 months were really painful for me because all I had to do was justify as to why that happened. And it was one of the biggest failures that I learned from. Even things like search, et cetera, it costs a lot of money, you know, SEM, and your audience profile has to be in one, one uh, platform or location or identify that and then just go after it. I think a related question to this is even when you think of channels, right? Uh, uh, obviously, you have your you know, lowest common denominators, which is just tap into SEO, you know, build some momentum on an Instagram or a Facebook, mm-hmm. get trended on LTV and you know, see some organic traction come your way. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, those are like the lowest hanging fruits that you know, a brand can sort of tap into. 
But what happens when, you know, uh, a brand's figured out their zero to one, now they're trying to get from one to hundred, right? Um, and they're trying to create some around, around their brand. Uh, what are the channels that you found to be extremely effective, uh, specifically with customer acquisition? Uh, and just generally, you know, what, what are the tools that you think, especially from a measurement perspective, what are the tools that you think folks on this call uh, should make a note of um, uh, so, so that they know what the ROI on their marketing spend is? Sure. So uh, let me talk about the first part of the question, which is the tactics first. Even in large organizations, we've seen that at the end of the day, word of mouth or customer evidence, as we call it, uh, works the best. Customer evidence, and then you can blast it through whichever platform. Integrate customer evidence in your content marketing, you know, so that it pops up in SEO, pops up on social platforms. So mm -hmm. that is one critical component. And a lot of people don't really utilize uh, PR the way they should. Um, it is not seen as a strategic tool by a lot of organizations or by a lot of individuals. Uh, I think that mm -hmm. needs to happen. So if if Suchita is talking about a particular store somewhere uh, or Suchita is talking mm -hmm. about serendipity, it makes you want to go to serendipity and check it out. Uh, Suchita outside of LBB, you know, so you need to identify mm -hmm. some of those influences and make sure you have a strong influencer strategy as well as a strong customer evidence uh, approach. So those are low cost, but very highly effective mediums. And of course, if you go after uh, big celeb influencers, then you have to spend money. But I'm just talking about when somebody is trying to go from one to a hundred and not really from a one to a million straight away. Baby steps. Um, Got it. Very important. You'll learn from it. And in terms mm -hmm. of ROI, uh, there's something we've followed, which is, and um, I still try and follow that as much as possible. Um, the customer acquisition cost to the lifetime value that you get from a customer. Lifetime value could mm -hmm. be measured as, let's say, uh, 13 months provided you're selling a one-year product. So let's say you have an annual subscription-based model. So 13 mm -hmm. months, a lot of your renewals would have happened or not happened. By the 12th month, you would have lost the customers. So we look mm -hmm. at the 13-month value in the subscription business case, 13th month value of a customer. So we call it the lifetime mm -hmm. value. Now, mm -hmm. the customer acquisition cost to lifetime value, that ratio should be one is to three. If Got you're it. at one is to three, you're, at a, you're in a good place. Got it. And that's what you should try and get to. Then there are some other metrics and tools that exist. You could search for them online or I'm happy to help people uh, outside of the call as well. The time to return on investment. Like in the zeroth month, in the first month that you acquired the customer, how much value were you able to get from that customer in the first month itself? So let's say I spend 100 rupees in acquiring uh, one customer on my portal uh, mm -hmm. or for my product. If I spend 100 rupees, how much did the customer pay me back in in the first in the zero in the first thirty days? Essentially, the zeroth one. You know that also. If if it's at about forty percent and above, you're in a good place. You're in a very good place. So that's how you should try and get there. Got it. And any channels per se that that you found uh, you know fairly interesting uh, to tap into. So uh, like I'll give you an example, right? In mm -hmm. LBD's case, WhatsApp has been the single most interesting channel mm -hmm. for user acquisition. Right. Um, on merchant position, actually, content creation and content marketing has been the single best, uh, you know, generator of, uh, of of leads from a merchant acquisition perspective. So, any uh, any particular channel that's really caught your eye, you know, it's Quora for some, Pinterest for hmm. the others. Hmm. So, I'm, you know, I I wouldn't want everyone to fall into. I call it a trap because what happens is we try and think think channel first. Again, right. here's where you come back and say, think customer first. 
where is your mm. customer if your customer is sitting on instagram and that's where they are mm. then so be it then that's your channel mm. if your customer is spread across then you mm. have to spread yourself thin as well but then again focus because the uh, the budget would be limited if you know that okay. your customer 70% usage is on whatsapp or let's say are mostly apple users then that's where you would go in some other case it could be android so think okay. customer first where he's he or she is and not really which channel works because there's no single paint brush that you can apply to everybody so actually i must tell you that uh, in one of the organizations a significant chunk of our customers were coming from sem but the end month value so there is a direct correlation in the first month uh, revenue that we get and then the uh, ltv as well and the channel you also have to see your ltv by channel your lifetime value so the customer like you pointed out the customer that's coming from let's say channel x maybe giving you the least amount of revenue even in the 13th month so you really need to think about are you going for volume and that is why maybe that's the approach if you're into a market share game you're saying i don't care i want 100000 customers in the first two years then maybe you do want to go for that city channel because you're focused right now on market share yeah. but the moment it comes to profitability that's where you actually say okay now i really need to revisit where i want to put in more effort because the amount of money i'm spending on let's say sem but my lifetime value is the lowest maybe i need to spend more money on let's say display because the lifetime value of that customer is actually better and also i can attack a repeat customer on that channel whereas on sem my repeat customer outreach is sort of limited got it no it's uh, it's super interesting cuz it goes back to the first point that you made right that you need to figure out are you in the business of acquisition or are you in the business of retention right and you know one of the things that you asked i don't know if i address that which is on um, a successful marketing strategy think of it in two ways uh, number one define what defines success for you what is success mm-hmm. and that will give you a lot mm-hmm. of your answers and mm-hmm. and that's when you rally the entire organization behind that success whether it's sales marketing mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what um mm-hmm. and the second one is when we're talking about know your customer uh, it should actually be a customer engagement strategy and not a marketing strategy what does that mean so for instance in customer engagement like i shared with you where is customer in their journey mm-hmm. right and where can i plug myself in so it. if someone is looking to buy a new car are they looking for it and they search for it on the phone Mm-hmm. then maybe on the phone is where i need to reach out to that customer mm-hmm. because i have an overlap with the person who's buying the car and who's buying my product got so it so where is the customer is where you need to be and not where you are is where you want the customer because pulling the customer to where you are is really tough you've been able to do a fantastic job of it suchita uh, with lbb mm-hmm. but it is not easy bringing a customer to yeah. your platform is the toughest thing to do yeah so you know uh, uh, taking on exactly that example right uh, if i'm a young brand say selling peanut butter should i also be looking at opening myself up to a facebook marketplace or to an amazon uh, uh, you know because right now there's this whole sort of conversation about a lot of brands wanting to go direct hmm. to consumer right to uh, keep their margins intact yeah. to keep their brand intact to keep you know their pricing strategy intact how does one sort of you know uh, find a strike a balance in between both especially if you're a fledgling brand where you want that distribution uh, but you don't want that distribution to you know bite you in the ass later because you don't have any Correct. of the data uh, in terms of you know how that distribution took place in the first place so how does one strike a balance there so uh, 
let's say um, what's it called happy jars no the let's say am i a, right yeah yeah so i'm a peanut butter brand mm-hmm. now do i want to compete with a skippy maybe not so mm-hmm. that means that i am trying to play in a very niche game uh, mm-hmm. you know a very smallish segment is what i want to go after so which is mm-hmm. why i said define what success for you look at a mm-hmm. uh, blue tokai right um a uh, blue tokai has partnered with a lot of restaurants or places where they are also selling their coffee uh, cold brew um, uh, and beans and things like that um mm-hmm. because they figured out that or let's say a uh, um suchali's again sorry this is a daily example i'm sure people have logged in from everywhere but suchali mm-hmm. who does baking um uh, mm-hmm. she has partnered with the blue tokai because people who are coming uh, uh, to have coffee can see the her croissant sitting there and they would like to have it mm-hmm. i mean that's how the new crack your distribution is suchali going out there mm-hmm. and doing stm and competing with large big brands or uh, bakery houses probably not is she competing with the, even a theo broman maybe not absolutely no figure out folks that are more complementary to your distribution uh, than folks who can antagonize you in the long run correct correct understood um so if we could you know maybe sort of shift gears right um uh, i think a lot of the questions that have come up uh, have been around what is go to market mean right uh, everyone sort of you know uh, talks about uh, you know figuring out your product market fit where does where does a gtm strategy come in what does it even entail uh and if you could maybe give examples of uh, you know say for example something like a godaddy which you launched from ground up uh what was a gtm for a product like that and and what have been your key takeaways while building gtms for you know the biggest brands out there okay so uh gtm is uh, from the perspective of in terms of what does it entail um, yeah. what is the what is the product that you take out there so for instance i'll take the godaddy example uh we had domain names we had website we had email so what is the kind of bundle that i could make is it a domain plus email so that i replace a visiting card with a with a domain plus email type of bundle or is it a website do people really want a website i mean we're all questioning right so yeah. identifying the right product mm-hmm. identifying how will i take that product to market which is am i going to go direct am i going to go through alliances in the case of blue tokai mm-hmm. and suchali it's a form of alliance right um or miam and um, um big fat sandwich again sorry the oh, example yeah. so mm-hmm. am i going after alliances uh mm-hmm. am i going after large distribution uh, mechanisms where i go through a partner model depending on the scale that i want to take um mm-hmm. and the reach that i want so that becomes your how will i distribute my product how will i make my product reach the person and if i'm going direct then you know it's direct shipping through various platforms that exist so some people mm-hmm. go for a combination of uh, uh, various um, uh, go to market and some people go for like for instance a godaddy would have a combination similarly a verisign verisign was actually not direct at all it was always a partner driven model um mm-hmm. microsoft has both models so i think it just totally depends on again what is your business model you define mm-hmm. how do you take your product to the customer and then what is the roi that will make sense for you so when you're going direct mm-hmm. you're taking a ltv to cac ratio but when mm-hmm. you're going through a partner model there are various elements that come into play like what you pointed out there is the incentives that you come into play that you need to give to the partner how much are you willing to spend on that so so go to market will cover the business aspect as well as the marketing aspect of it 
understood and is pricing also part of how one oh, yes, should think about got it yeah. so all of it taxes into your all of market. it so like for instance the karolbag example that i was giving you or the lower parel where we went door to door we were also testing the pricing strategy there were obviously other ways of testing it as well but we just said okay let's just go out there and talk to the customer and see what price works for them you know so that's you take that in that's super uh, because i think uh, you know uh, given that we guys also engage with so many small brands i think uh, the one thing that i've sort of seen is a lot of small brands get their pricing wrong and it's either because you know like you said they don't talk to customers enough they don't test out their product enough uh, you know they don't sample their product enough uh, i study econ so my sort of you know view on pricing is is a little different but how do you figure out uh, you know at what price uh, you should go to market or at what price you should you know sort of scream from the rooftop saying i am here and i have arrived uh, because obviously thing back becomes tough right uh, oh, yeah. uh saying whoop i'm sorry change my price now becomes a little tough right and also you can't be on perpetual sale uh right. or because demand increase you can't take your price up because then you're giving a wrong signal to the customer again like you're losing yeah. their loyalty in a way um so again here you would look at competition uh, depending mm-hmm. on who you see yourself uh, pitted against um mm-hmm. second uh, a lot of startups don't do it especially the smaller startups um uh, you should always have an advisory board there are a lot of people uh, who would do this pro bono uh, to help mm-hmm. startups so have like an advisory board a bunch of people who you can just bounce off your ideas with because a lot mm-hmm. of times because you're so close to your idea you might miss out on the bigger picture or you might want somebody who's a little less passionate and removed and is removed from your situation so um that is another uh market testing is very important so who are you competing uh, against and then what are they pricing themselves at so i think you should keep those factors in mind and do a little test we don't so this is again something we learned uh, i learned in the last two organizations i was with we used to call it test learn scale you have to test you have to learn and then you scale out just don't go all out because the test exactly. that you would do with 10 20 people you can always change your pricing and move it about but if you've already yeah. gone out to hundreds too late i mean you can always change it it's not never too late mm-hmm. but you know it just kind of puts you in a position where you're disappointed with yourself more than anything else yeah and also uh, your price determines whether you need to have an acquisition strategy or a retention strategy correct and your margins coming from your price right so that's all right. of it is is fairly good all of it comes into play Yes that's right so like for instance if you're in the acquisition game and you're saying I'm a late entrant in this market but I do have certain amount of funds that I can put behind acquisition and first few years I don't mm-hmm. care about profitability then sure go all out you know you yeah. price yourself at a lower price point better quality product etc but do remember mm-hmm. that uh, after those 2 or 3 years once the acquisition has played out and you want to increase mm-hmm. your profitability then you have to get more money from the same customer retaining a customer yeah. is uh, is retaining a customer in today's time is tricky or repeat yeah. customer like a lot of them are not subscription businesses so let's not say retention but so much but more about repeat customer purchase i have like a bajillion more questions for you but uh, you know i want to sort of play on um, this super important part of um, uh of of thinking about how to retain your customer right what are the best practices that 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 you sort of seen businesses and brands do uh, specifically when it comes to customer retention 
uh, and what are the elements of delights that can be created uh, you know with customers even if i don't have any money uh, you know but i want to make sure that that user comes back to me right you know um, i'll be a little cautious of the word delight so one of uh, one of oh. our friends in the restaurant business actually said that it's not so much about and i don't know I, i'm sure a lot of people who who own restaurants and i know a lot of uh, chefs i mean they would totally disagree but this person was a business person okay he was not the uh, person behind in the kitchen so he said for him the priority was delivering a consistent experience now whether that experience is a 6 on 10 or a 9 on 10 as long as it's a consistent experience repeat uh, customer happens uh, because customer comes with that expectation so it's all about meeting that expectation uh because a lot of times we go we we get so consumed by the delight uh that it kind of um, i mean it just creates a, creates a little more stress um on the business yeah. really you know so because how much can you bend backwards to to delight the customer there's only so much you can do you know so yeah. there should yeah. be a threshold as long as you're meeting your threshold you're mm-hmm. you're in business now looking at the repeat customer So there are some channels which I have find I have found that have been most useful in getting repeat customers. Um, uh, the Google Display Network, uh, display advertising, but again that that requires a significant amount of spend. So you know, so I'm not sure how much of that can you do. So mm-hmm. it's more about locking that experience. Like how do I stay top of mind? Mm-hmm. um i was reading the burger king global cmo article in brand equity today yesterday whenever that happened uh, a really mm. good article you know how do you stay how are you more relevant in today's times and yeah. make your conversations contextual and that's why content marketing comes in uh mm-hmm. don't make it about it's not about gimmicks it's not about uh, i mean of course you know depending on you want a sale of course that's you have goals to meet you have to do that mm-hmm. fair enough but then remain contextual and relevant for the customer that's the only way you can keep coming getting that customer back at low cost of course like i said if you have the money there are advertising mediums which are best suited you can do a lot of retargeting and get that customer but if you yeah. have limited resources then i would say rely on content marketing uh, which is uh, uh, you know fascinating because i i think a lot of um, a lot of folks don't especially folks who have low budgets right and we made this mistake as well processes are so important uh, yeah. you know once you've sort of figured out uh, your gpm once your product is out in market you've got your distribution in place you figured out your channel mix could you talk a little bit about uh, you know best practices around processes that must be put in place uh, if you want to go from 100 to a million i was i thought you were going to say 1 to 100 okay so 100 to a million yeah think big so a uh, 100 to a million processes become extremely critical you have to temporize your approach as much as you can even in mm-hmm. you have to have them as engines that are working in the background versus you having to create something again a, a creative person would be cringing at this but creating something new every time mm-hmm. is a drain of resources how do you temporize your yeah. approach you've got something that worked for you how do you keep bringing it back there is a reason why people uh, especially in the us have a black friday sale because they've figured mm-hmm. out that there is a particular and also i send out an email at 2 pm on a friday gets me better returns versus a 5 pm on a friday or a 8 am on a thursday you have to 
find the formula, so to speak, basis historical data of what you have done, mm-hmm. which is why I said test, learn, and scale. The moment you go from 100 to a million, those are the kind of things that we did. Uh, we cracked the model of scale. What works? Mm-hmm. If it works, just go out there and do more of it. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't, shut it down. Got it. If it doesn't work, shut it Got down it. because you have limited resources. You cannot go out there and keep spending money on something. Got it. Uh, and a question actually just came up, which is related to this, right? What happens when the geography changes? So with a lot of the, you know, with a, with a lot of brands, uh, they may start, start out in a particular geography, right? Yeah. Uh, but the process, uh, you know, that it takes to crack a market, and we actually saw this with NBD as well, where uh, what a Delhi customer consumes hmm. is actually very different from what a Bombay or a Bangalore customer, you know, ends oh, yeah. up tapping into. Uh, yeah. So how do you think of process in a way where, uh, you know, where, like you said, there's some scalability to it. So the same Correct. way, you know, you mentioned this principle as being customer first. What are the first principles when it comes to setting up a, a process, which is, you know, a demographic proof, uh, you know, region proof, geography proof, etc. That's actually a great way to optimize your spend. You can do geofencing on mobile advertising. Even a lot of platforms like YouTube, you can do geotargeting. Even on search, you can do your geotargeting. So any platform today, you can actually do most of the platforms. I, I don't know about any, but most of the platforms, you can select the geographies you want to go after. So we used to do, I used to manage uh, in one of my previous roles from India, I used to manage China and the rest of the uh, Asian markets. So if you look at the same example, when I was going out there, I was making sure if I was advertising in those markets and within China, I figured out, okay, here are the, oh, let me take another example. Within Indonesia, I figured out, okay, these are the only two cities where my uh, business is coming from. Mm-hmm. Why will I go out there and advertise all over? Similarly, mm-hmm. you would know, okay, I'm going after these 10 markets. So look at your current base, see where it's coming from, mm-hmm. do customer evidence from those regions and spread the word in that region itself. Get volume going. Reach a certain mm. scale, and then you mm. you figure you will be able to figure out the formula, so to speak, because that will vary by category and by brand, and then you just replicate it across the other states or cities. Got it. But test till you figure that out. Correct. Do small, 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 quick tests because agility is also very important. You don't want to spend a whole year just testing. Absolutely. Uh, this was fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, I had a bunch of other questions, uh, uh, but I know we're tight on time. I actually want to do a quick, two quick questions for you. Uh, one is uh, there are a lot of women who are, you know, on this. Uh, a lot of my female colleagues are on this as well. Uh, you've obviously had a fantastic career. Uh, what is the one? What's the one feedback that you would give to, uh, you know, to women who are starting up who are, you know, executives uh, in, you know, in high flying jobs or working at startups, uh, how do you stay in the game? Uh, because you've stayed in the game and you've kicked ass at it. Thank you. Uh, still working on it. But um, I would say the self-belief as women, we are, we are very critical of ourselves. Uh, I think you and I had this conversation uh, sometime back at one of the forums where we met you know, we yeah. tend to be overcritical of ourselves. I think the self-belief and telling yourself that I am remarkable is, is something that would go a long way. Don't wait for the mm-hmm. validation. And a totally unrelated question, but because you've told us so yes. much about all things marketing, GTM and channels, uh, where do you, uh, what do you read? Who are the people who you follow? Who are the, uh, you know, marketers who inspire you and who should everyone on this call be checking out as soon as this call's over? You know, I'm, I'm such a terrible, uh, this, is a, this is a terrible question. 
because I I have such a short attention span. So I read a lot of Blinkist because they give me, they give me the summary. I'm like, okay, I'm done with the book. <laughs> and then at, a, at any given point of time, I read a lot of fiction. At any given point of time, I'm reading three books, uh, not finishing any. So I would be, I would go from the happiness project, which is like a, I forget the author's name, but the, from the happiness project to a book by Ellen to lean in to Satya Nadella's hit refresh. So I have like right now I'm reading four books and not Got finishing it. either. <laughs> so uh, in terms of who do I follow, I actually look at uh, a lot of uh, work that happens from some of the brands like uh, Under Armour, Dove. Burger King has started doing a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, yeah. in the last uh, year or year and a half. Yeah. I follow a lot of that stuff some of these large brands are doing. It's not like I can apply it to my job, but just keeps you, it just inspires you, you know, just to kind of know what's going on. And some of the stuff mm-hmm. that some of the local Indian sustainable brands are also doing, like the the, the kind of work that Nicobar has put out. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just a lot that we can learn from these brands uh, in how they're thinking about it. It just keeps you motivated. Got it. And, you know, last uh, question, um, obviously, nothing is possible without a great team, right? What are your first principles when it comes to hiring, structuring teams, uh, and also building teams? It's funny, I was going through your LinkedIn, and you have so many people who've like sent you love letters on LinkedIn saying, maybe you is the best manager, best boss, I have learned so much under her. What does it take to build a rock solid team? Uh, What are your first principles when it comes to keeping teams engaged? So I think it's also at the time of hiring. At the time of hiring, one of the mm. things that uh, I would look for is, you know, people do business with people they like. So is there like a connection that one has? While keeping in mind diversity, I don't want replicas of me coming into this team. Uh, it's more mm. about I have certain weaknesses. Does that person have that strength so that we complement each other? That is, that is the first thing, keeping that diversity in mind, uh, diversity mm. in whatever form. The second thing I would say is whether a whether a person has a this is something we see at Microsoft, which is uh, you should you should read uh, Hit Refresh, uh, Suchita. It's a it's a great book. All of you should. You have yeah. So yeah. uh, Satyanadella talks about the growth mindset, right? Uh, whether mm-hmm. a person is know it all or is the person mm-hmm. learn it all? Are you learning mm-hmm. something new every day? It could be attending a webinar, getting one sentence from somebody. It doesn't matter. I, I thrive on people interaction and I have this little one note that I've created where I'm making that one statement I keep taking from my interactions and keep adding it here and use it whenever, you know? So I think the growth mindset, the learn it all uh, mindset versus a know it all. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I would say is that make your team succeed. How do you make sure if they win, you win. Mm-hmm. And if, if they don't, you don't, you just have to make mm-hmm. sure do what's right by people and the rest will follow. You do right by them. They will do right for you, for the business and for everything else. Uh, but mm-hmm. first think of them because organizations will come and go. I mean, rather organizations will find people that will come and go. But yeah. those people will remember you and your interaction with them. There are a bajillion, you know, comments and queries coming my way. Uh, I may send some of them to you and, uh, and everyone who's asked these questions, we'll make sure that we get back to you with a response and an answer. I've already eaten up uh, Uh, you know enough of Nidhi's time thank you so much this was amazing thank you thank you so much for having me and please do share with me the feedback good bad ugly everything any questions as well more than happy to answer them over the next few days and thank you for uh, having me here Suchita all the best and um, thanks to LBD 
Yes, stay safe. See you, Nidhi. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks.